Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. What's up, everybody? It's myself, Ren, and Jordan on the couches today. Jake's still on vacation. No music. No music. Sorry. (laughs) Screw all you guys who wanted music. I mean, I can play like random notes on the guitar, but you know what? We don't even have the guitars in our hands. So you have the right harmonic area. So you can oh, yeah. oh, yeah. We just figured out that I'm in like this weird acoustic spot in this room where there's like a slightly out of sync echo from me right here. Have you, have you ever found that thing like where you're sitting in a spot like if you make a loud noise and like buzzes? I, I've not. You've never <laughs> noticed that. I mean, I don't go around clapping. No, but like maybe you're like sitting somewhere and like, you know, you laugh or like you snap your fingers. Like you drop. <laughs> I don't know, like you something causes a lot of noise. I'm just picturing every time Nico laughs, he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh by snapping my fingers. It's polite, uh, but you never notice like when something like buzzes weird and echoes weird. No, I have, I have, yeah. It's uh, I have noticed it. Acoustic shaping is interesting. That's why we have a lot of, I guess, sound absorption material in here to kind of try to reduce that. We got like, what do you call those things in the corners? Like bass boomers, bass drops, Pads. bass, I don't know, bass absorbers, Foam. something like that. Yeah, yeah. bass thumpers. <laughs> Jordan, you never noticed that when you're sitting like in a stairwell or like in the not like room? the buzzing, but I've I mean, I've definitely heard like my echo, and I'm like, oh, like, hello. And you just, <laughs> I've definitely talked to myself for a little bit like, <laughs> if I'm alone and I hear my echo, but I haven't heard like the. Is it like? Zzz? It's like a buzz because it's like the echo is playing and then dying out really fast. We can just hear the like the sound mm-hmm. slightly offset from itself. So is that a form of resonance? Yeah, it's, it's an like, echo. It's just, uh, it's in the spot where, like, it's deflecting right back to... Yeah, but uh, an e- uh, resonance would be an echo that's, like, perfectly in sync to, like, make the amplitude greater, oh. right? Yeah, I don't know. Probably not, because it wouldn't be... You're not, like, doing a note that's on the same frequency the whole time. Is that, like, reverb when you're making a song? Mm, <clears throat> I don't think so. I believe reverb and echo are technically the same thing. It's, it's like, I mean, harmonics, for instance, are would be... Uh, harmonizing. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> anyways, I mean, Ren was tripping note, himself out. <laughs> on that note, I, I, I don't know. I'm always reminded of probably my favorite story of Nikola Tesla from you know back when he was alive. There's a story where he managed to figure out the natural frequency of a building because every really? single object has some sort of frequency that's inherent to that object, and it is dictated by things like its stiffness and its density, stuff like that. Uh, and he managed to figure out, I guess, it's a story, maybe an urban legend, that he figured out the natural frequency of a building, and he ma- and he built like a small little thing that vibrated at that frequency, and he attached it to the side of the building and almost shook the building down. <laughs> Everyone inside was like, oh, it's an earthquake, and no one else was feeling it. That's how the story goes. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of an urban legend, but I could see something kind of happening, because that same thing, similar thing happened with the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Oh, gosh. Was it that I forget the way it's commonly yes the Tacoma Narrows Bridge definitely crashed due to something but I can't remember the specifics of it. I I actually looked into it or researched it a little while ago. Okay, because I was, was it was it a, a harmonics thing? Well, let me take it a step back actually. So in in school I did this class called Physics in the Arts, which I thought was just kind of like a eh, it's a it was a way for like art majors to get their like one physics credit mm-hmm. that they needed to get okay, to graduate. Okay, sure, yeah. 
And so like, whatever, I'll just take this class. And it ended up being a really cool class that actually went into like all these things that are now useful for like, like when I'm doing 3D rendering or like right. sound mixing, like all these other things, camera work, like it's like real oh, physics. It, it's mm. in the arts. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things that we actually talked about or studied was uh, like the harmonic resonance. And the thing about like, so if you have like, say like a, like a, like a tuning fork or like a pendulum swinging back and forth, like a, like a kid on a swing. If you are pushing at the exact same time, they're kind of reaching that apex of their swing. You don't have to put a lot of effort into each push to get them going a little bit further. Yeah. And that's because you're pushing them right when they're, you know, coming to a rest and getting ready for that next push. And then your push adds on to their, you know, kinetic energy, their potential kinetic energy. So it's the same thing like with a like building, you know, if the top of the building rocks back and forth, like every second, as long as right on that moment when it's starting to pick up momentum in the right direction, you push just a little bit more, you only have to add a little bit at a time every time it goes back and forth and eventually it adds up and up and up until it's swinging really hard. And so the Tacoma Narrows Bridge was built in a way where it was like, it was a bridge, it was a suspension bridge across a river valley and the wind would rush down this valley and kind of like a reed uh, in a wind instrument the bridge would start to vibrate. You ever do the thing like where you put a, like a piece of grass between your thumbs and you blow on it and it goes like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> large scale that started happening with the bridge. And one day the wind was blowing at a certain speed where that the uh, bridge was wobbling and it hit that resonance where the bridge the wind was causing the bridge to basically hit that harmonic where it would kept just adding more and more energy to itself until the bridge literally shook itself apart. And it's really crazy. There's a video of somebody <laughs> running down the bridge while it's rocking left and right because the car's parked and they had to get out of it. And I think no one got killed. But but there's a video of it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I've it's, never even the heard video of is nuts. Because yeah. you see, like, literal concrete just m- moving, moving like, like waves. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then the entire bridge just collapses. I've been over the Tacoma Narrows Bridge hundreds of times at this point. Yeah. The yeah. new one, because they rebuilt it. This was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so people died. Like, Nobody I don't died. think oh, anyone died. Yeah, because okay. it was. It didn't immediately fall. It was like it starts rocking, then it's bigger and bigger oh, yeah. and bigger because the wind's just pushing in just that way that the frequency gets. The added video up. does have the one dude like. There's one guy who's just walking across the bridge as it's kind of like swaying. He's like, he's still getting off of it. <laughs> yeah, he's still on it. Uh, I, I assume he got off because I don't remember there being any deaths. Also, I, I can't. When I was in college, I also learned about the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, and I can't remember the specifics, but I think it's a widely misunderstood cause. And I can't remember if what you just described is the true cause or the misunderstood cause of its collapse. Because <laughs> I remember being like, wait, I thought that's how it was. And they're like, nope, it's actually like this. And I, So if anyone in the comments knows how it actually went down, let us know if Nico's right. Because <laughs> yeah. what you described makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me, too. That's what I remember reading. Like, right? You know, yeah. No, because it was it was widely misreported to be the due to something. I remember Real Engineering made a video about this a few years back. Uh, Brian McManus, um, and he went into the detail on that. So <laughs> it makes sense for it to be like that resonance thing, though. You know, in terms of like as opposed to wind just blowing it over, and that was the end of it. Right. Yeah. 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 Though I know I know they've changed bridge designs so they don't uh, like catch the wind in a certain way anymore. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the one good thing about catastrophes mm-hmm. is that it's a learning experience for everyone. <laughs> that's a positive spin. <laughs> you know how to not do things in the future. That's true, actually. That's how scaffolding became a thing. <laughs> scaffolding? Yeah. 
It was um, a girl was walking in New York and a stone fell off an apartment building and mm. hit her and she died. Wow. So they named like the street after her and everything. And so then New York, it all started in New York. So they have to do scaffolding if you're doing any type of work or right, you have things okay. that could fall off. Gotcha. Yeah. Then you get sued, obviously. So you have those yeah. like basically those walkway tunnels. Yeah. Pedestrian tunnels. I watched a whole people. like documentary on scaffolding. It's was her name Scaffold? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> There's like Eva or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Actually, yeah. no. I think it was Chris. I, I told Christian I was like they should do a <clears throat> Stuntman React episode on just scaffolding because in the documentary they start showing all of these fight scenes that utilize scaffolding because it's everywhere. Hmm. There's like a, jo- a lot of Jackie Chan. Yeah, I was about to say Jackie Chan has done yeah. so much scaffolding work. So Remember, many. like what was it Rush Hour Two? I think There's, there was of... like five. Like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was insane. <laughs> Yeah. Nico, you said you had a story from college? Well, so in the last podcast, we talked about uh, Michael Jackson, the documentary. I brought the idea of, oh, that's right. You weren't here. Jordan, you were here. Yes. We brought the the question of can you separate art from the artist? And so, uh, not to get ahead of myself, I'm going to rewind this now. So, back in in school, same college where I had the physics and the arts class, um, we were doing a film, I I was doing a film, uh, you know, major also. I double majored in art and film. And, the we we're doing a normal lecture and I think we we're looking talking about like horror films or like we were studying psycho or something like that. And the 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 professor made a joke about uh Ed Gein, who's a serial killer and guy who had robbed graves, um uh-huh. who lived in Wisconsin. And like, you know, to me and pretty much probably ninety nine point nine percent of the people there, you know, he's a character basically you know he he's a, a part of like american folklore of ser- serial killers mm. uh and then the next day um the professor started off the class by apologizing about that which i thought for my first initial reaction was like that's weird why are you apologizing and she brought up, like the fact that this actually happened like an hour away from madison wisconsin or that there might be people in the class who are actually from the town and had to live through this and experience it right and it was kind of, this is a moment that defined, or like that stuck out to me, that kind of defined the realization that a lot of the time when you're talking about other people or other things, they're just kind of background in your world, right? They're just, they don't feel real because you don't interact with them. But, you know, somebody who experienced it or who's actually gone through it might be sitting right next to you and you don't know it. Yeah. And, you know, it, I've I tried to take a lesson from it, which is to be aware that, you know, these things are real and people do have to deal with them. And so oddly enough, we were talking about Michael Jackson in the last podcast and I'd watched that HBO documentary, which has left me, you know, from watching that, it's left me convinced that Michael Jackson, you know, did what he did. You watched the whole thing? Their accusations. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, that's going off of what I saw in the, in the documentary. And I'm not like a scholar on this thing and I'm not sure it really even matters to the world what my opinion of this is, but in the comments on that podcast, uh, Taj Jackson, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but Taj, uh, who's related to Michael Jackson, I believe he's his nephew, mm-hmm. uh, came in and said like, hey, you know, I have another perspective on this. If you guys are going to be talking about this, you know, I would be interested in having a conversation with you to give you a different point of view. Because there's a lot of people that are uh, criticizing that HBO documentary and, you know, the things that have been said. I mean, obviously there's an agenda with it. It was like trying to push a very specific uh point of view i guess mm-hmm. um which is i think a, a nature of almost all documentaries yeah no, absolutely absolutely but uh you know i'd be 
it was a reminder of like when when I talk about something, people can be there listening, who aren't to them. It's not just another character in the distance or another just figure of culture. It's special, yeah. You know, it's it's something they actually lived through and went through, and you know, that lesson that I tried to learn in college. You know, I I forgot about it. And like talking about Michael Jackson in the podcast, and sure enough, you know, somebody's listening who is close to that and mm. went through those. You know, that moment in time, they were there personally witnessing it. You know, and I'd be interested to have a conversation with Taj and kind of hear you know his story on it. I think anytime you can get a first person account of like their experiences with something, it's it's so interesting and so valuable and so different versus watching something edited and presented. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I wonder how first person his accounts would be, even if he is his nephew or whatever. It's like, how often did he actually see him? How much did he, how well did he get to know him? You yeah. Know? I think uh, this would all be interesting things to find out. I mean, cause it's like watching that documentary, it's kind of hard to not believe the doc. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's like, it's pretty well laid out. There's a lot of experiences that are explained, but. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally feel like, you know, as someone who, does video editing i feel like i have a decent eye for when a documentary is trying to manipulate me or make a, you know construct something that wasn't quite there like i can kind of tell when like sound bites are put together in reality yeah. shows from you know things people didn't say and they just grab words from here and there or like when you know they're cutting things certain ways it's you know for example like in the in the tiger king like every time they cut to carol baskins like and it's in slow motion and they're playing dramatic music it's like i'm so clearly being emotionally manipulated yeah. you know in those shots um, I never even watched that one. I, the Tiger King I is. <laughs> I'm just not into stuff like that. Just... It was very entertaining and fascinating, but I feel like it was also a hit piece on some people that didn't deserve it, and kind of a heroic piece for other people who didn't deserve it. Mm. You know, I've, it makes me a little bit worried about how fascinated are with people who like don't deserve our fascination. Yeah, I yeah. think that's was like why I don't really pay attention to stuff like that. I think that's good. I think the most we can do is speak with our own actions and intentions. Yeah, yeah I think part of the reason why Tiger King became so like blown up was that it just dropped at the perfect time. <laughs> oh, right. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I ended up avoiding it partly out of just not really being interested, but also because I had heard some things and I kind of looked into it a little bit. I'm like, it's about this guy who's like not that good. And it kind of builds him out to be kind of a cool guy. Like. Nah, I don't yeah. want to. Where everyone was this. him for Halloween and yeah. yeah, and I'm like, and if you're from those parts, like you already kind of know that people live like that to begin with. <laughs> like I'm from the South and like redneck area. Like none of that was shocking to me. It was just very all elaborated and made up. And I was like, <laughs> this is literally just a story that they're putting together, and it dropped at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, I see those type of people growing up all the time. There's nothing new to this. I, I wonder about that that aspect of personal experience too, or like, you know, to all of us, not all of us, to most of us, the tiger King and all that, like they're just characters, mm-hmm. you know, they're not real, but some people had to deal with that. And some people had to go through that. And, you know, there's a lot of like horror stories within all that. You know, same thing with like a, a lot of the like serial killer, like true crime things that, you know, you see on Netflix, you know, probably like, what, what if you were in that family and like, you know, your loved one was killed by the serial killer and now you see them being made a movie star. Like, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty, probably feels pretty awful. crappy. Yeah, it <laughs> probably feels awful. Yeah, people are listening to like the murder podcast in the car and like, just like, jam- like looking. Like, I remember I was listening to one just because I was bored and Nat was in the car and she, <laughs> she looked at me and she was like, 
are you okay? <laughs> listening to someone's horror story. And I was like, yeah. and I guess it is kind of weird. I'm like just excited to be hearing about how someone yeah. was killed. I mean, there's a, definitely like an aspect of like, you know, you, there's always so much experience you can get on your own. So you yeah. gather the experiences of others in your lifetime to broaden your horizons and your wisdom and all that kind of stuff. But like, I feel like there's a, there's a fine line between like, you know, being an insight into like how humans function and how society works versus like just taking somebody's trauma and pain and using it for entertainment. And I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of amazing documentaries on true crime and serial killers and all that kind of stuff. And there's also amazing shows on it, but there's also, I think a lot of exploitative stuff too. And it's, it's definitely mixed into one big mush <laughs> recently. Yeah. Did you guys see that one do uh, documentary series on Netflix recently, like a few months back? It was about uh, that one woman who died at the hotel in downtown mm -hmm. LA. What was yeah. the name of that one? It was one? like the Cecil. Yeah, the yeah. Cecil Hotel. My roommate watched it. I never watched it. I get scared. I don't, I don't watch. <laughs> I, I was like into it, but uh, Jenna ended up finishing it without me. <laughs> oh, no. But I guess you can go to the hotel. We did. Yeah, oh. it's still there in downtown LA. <sighs> Uh, we rode by. Were you with us when we rode by? Mm -mm. We did it in the uh, evening one time. We were on like some ride in downtown LA. And uh... wait, yeah, no, Christian, you were there. I was with you. And yeah, we rolled right by the Cecil Hotel. And it's like they'd taken the name down on the front, but uh. it's still painted up on the side up at the top. So you can still see it. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't I don't I didn't see it. But wasn't the I mean, I guess it's spoilers. Spoilers, if you care. Uh, <laughs> didn't it turn out that she had like some sort of mental illness or something that it like caused her know. to. Someone finished off. the documentary without me. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, the general, if you're not aware, basically, uh, this woman got lost. No, she was missing. Big difference. Um, <laughs> she was missing, and then the internet started basically trying to find her, a bunch of investigative armchair experts, and they ended up finding her in the water tower on top of the hotel. So everyone in the hotel had been drinking... She was in the uh, water tower? I thought she had the fall and like behind it and like got wedged between Was she in the water tower? That's she was floating in the water. Oh, that's awful. The the water supply for the whole whole hotel. Oh and everyone gosh. had been drinking and bathing in dead body water. Dead body tea? <laughs> oh yeah. Because it's also hot now. Like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> like how like, what do you do? Do you get it like you're a refund? <laughs> One star. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I have no idea how that. Bad Yelp well, that, that hotel has had a lot of like. There's a lot of crime that happened. A lot there, of crime, right? yeah. They're constantly getting police calls there and stuff like that. But like, I can't believe that hotel didn't go under after that event. Like, no publicity is bad publicity, they say. I mean, at this point, it's now more of a. Well, I don't, did people even know attraction. about that body in the wire tower thing? They didn't until the police were all around and it, the news got out. And there, there are news. I didn't know about it before the Netflix documentary. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I remember it going down when I think we were doing Sync. Really? It was around that time, I think. Because how many years? I don't know, like eight years ago, something like that. It's relatively recent. Yeah. Yeah, relatively recently. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. The hotel's not functioning, right? No, no it's, it's still, still a hotel. hotel. You can go live there. Or stay there. You can go live there. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome what? to the Cecil Hotel. It just sounds creepy, too. Like, yeah. Bates Motel sounds better than that place. Yeah. Oh the Batis Motel. Batis. 
Matrix was cool. Speaking of Netflix series, I rewatched uh, Bo Burnham's Inside again a few nights ago with Ivy. Man, I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I want. I want to finish watching it. I've only yeah. seen the first like fifteen minutes. It's a work of art. It's. It really captures a moment in someone's story during the pandemic, and he he is clearly extremely talented, mm-hmm. and writes some really interesting music because it starts off as kind of like jokey kind of music, but like there's this undercurrent of him actually like having messages he's kind of trying to deliver and then little by little as like the show goes on and his time working on this alone goes on his music starts to just become personal music mm. like there's still you know quips and moments and stuff but like at certain points he's just singing songs that are personal songs and he's Bo Burnham is clearly you know watching inside he's very focused on you know how the internet is affecting people's perception of society and reality and their self-worth and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. But one thing that stood out to me watching it the second time that I didn't really notice the first time is, you know, he there's a lot of negativity in it. Like there's a ton of negativity and there's jokes. And I feel like part of being a comedian is you take things that are hard to talk about or things that are, you know, would have negative emotions and you bring them out so you can process it. But you use comedy so that you don't have to feel as much pain when you're processing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about or a thing that makes you angry. You know, it's, it's a way to do that without actually having to be angry when you talk about it, you know? Mm. Um, and there's parts in the, in this movie where Bo Burnham's like, you know, saying he's like having a really hard time. He's sounding really angry and, you know, struggling with depression, or at least that's, you know, the impression I get. And the songs really echo that too. Um, but one thing that I also noticed is I can't think of a, any moment in, in the video and maybe Jordan, if you, you know, think of it, let I'm me know. Like halfway Christian. through. So maybe. Okay. But I, I can't think of one time he mentions one thing that he's thankful for, hmm. you know, or excited for, like, specifically thankful. Like, at no point does he ever say, like, I'm thankful I have this to work on, or I'm thankful I have this space to use, or I'm thankful I have the abilities I have. Like, there's not one moment of, like, that pause. Because like, there's a lot of self-reflection in, like, talking yeah. about his, like, inner thoughts, but it's it's all negative. And watching it the second time for as much as I like and how great it is, it definitely sticks out to me a little bit more and is almost a little off-putting for me, at least for the second half. Um, do you guys, can you guys think of any moment when he, like Christian, Jordan? No, no, not the parts yeah. that I saw now. Not as... It's almost like a beautiful cry for help. Yeah. That was kind of my first impression. I feel like, I feel like it's hard to be... I'm going to get into some philosophical stuff here. Um, it's easy to always be like, trying to fix something or worry worry about something. What's the next thing you're going to deal with? What's the task you have to have at hand? What's the work you have to do? It's always, it's easy to focus on the problems that you have to solve. And I think it's a little harder to pause and be thankful for the things that you have achieved or that you already have. But I think if you're never thankful for something, you're going to have a hard time being happy Mm -hmm. because I think the nature of being happy in essence of that is the nature of appreciating and being thankful for the things that are bringing you joy. Cause if you're not thankful for anything, then how are you even happy? You know, if you're not thankful for like having a good meal or having friends or, a, you know, a nice evening or a good movie that you just watched, like if you're not thankful for that experience, then how did you enjoy it? Yeah. You know, unless you're just enjoying it and you're taking it for granted, which I think we all tend to do once in a while, but that's more of, I think just a oversight yeah. <laughs> as we kind of breeze through it. Well, I mean, as you said, it's like, it's kind of hard though, because you're saying it kind of seems like, you know, he's suffering from depression, in which case it's, you know, it's extremely difficult to be happy. 
you know, right. chemically. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. And so then you combine that with, you know, a complete lack of social interaction mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, this isn't, this isn't me trying to say like, oh, you should just, you know, here's how to be happy. It's more of an observation of, I think, you know, not saying one causes the other, it's more of a correlation. But if, if you aren't, if you're not pausing to think about the things you're thankful for, you may not be taking the time to pause and think about the things that are making you happy. Um, because it's easy to just keep thinking about the next thing you have to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like there's always things to be thankful for, but like, you know, if you look at me as 18 and me now, like I've achieved a lot of things that me at 18 was hoping to achieve, but they just kind of become a thing that you're doing along the way. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, okay, I have a, you know, I have a job, I have a place, I have a wife, I have a kid. Wow. You know, like these are things I should be thankful for, but then, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm thinking about the next day I got to yeah. get this project done. And then I have to go to the, you know, to the doctors here and with this appointment for Milo and I have to go and do this. And it's like, you just think about the next thing you have to do and you're not pausing to be like, whoa, hold up, hold up. Like, don't get frustrated about that big picture. Be thankful for the fact that you just, you have this to begin with because this is what yeah. you've always wanted. And I think it's really easy to just breeze by, you know, if, you, if it's something you've always wanted, once you have it, it's it's really, really easy just to breeze by that and start thinking about the next thing. You never pause to yeah. Yeah. appreciate and it. That perspective is important and it can be really challenging to grab hold of. It's like a hamster wheel that everyone is on, but we're not really taught to hop off the hamster wheel. Yeah. You're supposed to be worried. You're supposed to want to go buy the new thing or why is this person doing that? I want to go here. I want to go on vacation. And then, you know, people are just working to live at this mm-hmm. point. No one's really just living. Or being happy, but that's like society. Think of advertising and marketing, and no one is telling you to be happy. No one. They're just throwing like pharmaceutical stuff at you, <laughs> bad food, and it takes a lot. Like I think, like he was saying, it does. It is much harder to be happy. But if you just try to like center yourself or be around people or you know just take a moment, meditate, and say what you're grateful for. That's what I always try to do. Glass half full rather than glass half empty. And I found myself complaining a lot less. And yeah. like, you know, like how you said, I just a couple of years ago, I didn't have a job and I didn't know how money was going to come sometimes. Now I have a job. I don't worry about money, but some days I forget that now I have money and now it's just the next thing of, well, I'm not doing this. But two years ago, I couldn't even <laughs> think that far. You know, mm-hmm. you just yeah. have to be very happy with how you're progressing. Yeah. It's important. Because the goals are always shifting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're always trying to achieve a goal, but you're, you always have new goals, then you're never going to achieve your goals. Yeah. You know, so it's it's good to stop and be thankful for having something. Yeah. yeah. I kind of had the same feeling where, like, I was feeling more anxious about things a few months back. Like, it was kind of creeping up on me. It's like, why is my mindset like this all of a sudden? Like, what changed? Like, I don't really have things to be anxious of, you know, outside of just normal life. And running know? a company. Well, but still, it's like, it's not like this is my first year doing it at this point. You yeah, know? no, I know, I know. Like, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people who are, you know, good friends and, like, also making this all happen. Like, I have an awesome team. Like, we're all together here. And, you know, if one of us gets sick or something like that and is out for a month, it's like, okay. And the rest of the team will adapt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, We have really cool shows that I really enjoy doing. Like, I love doing VFX Artists React. Like, you know, zooming out, it's like, I sure, there's responsibilities and there's the occasional stresses and that's fine and like that's life but like i don't really have something to be anxious about in a deep core way you know and if i'm feeling that i need to stop and reevaluate 
Like, what am I doing? What's my perspective on things that's causing this? We can anxiety easily create creating. our anxiety. Or someone told me, like, when you're worrying about something, you're just kind of predicting the future that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Like, you're kind of ruining what could possibly <laughs> happen because you're like, this is going to be this way. And I'm going to be so worried. Yeah. And it could all just be fine. And normally is yeah, when you think of the grand scheme of things. Like, if you're, what are you complaining about? I'm like, there's so many more people going through so much worse mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. I mean, mindset and perspective, like, I think it's a bit taboo to say that, you know, you have control over your emotions and your perspectives on things. But it's true to some extent. Like, you do, you do influence your perspective and the experiences you have influences your perspective. And the experiences you have is because of the actions you take. So, you know, there are things we can do as individuals to push ourselves and step ourselves towards these places we want to be. And I think that's important to acknowledge as well that, you know, we can actively work towards the things we want to have or experience or feel mm-hmm. whether or not we can get there without help. You know, I'm not yeah. saying that's a hundred percent guaranteed thing, but I think it's important. <laughs> Welcome to the corridor cast where we're a philosophy podcast. <laughs> yeah. We philosophism. 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 <laughs> philosophism. <laughs> philosophism. <laughs> a futurology <laughs> philosophy podcast. <laughs> Whatever, that's deep conversation hour with <laughs> Nico, Ren, and Jordan. Is there, is there, any, is there any new tech? Any cool, like, tech stuff? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Ren, tell me about your feelings. Whatever. <laughs> oh, man. You guys teach me the tech stuff. So. Oh, yeah, my shoulder had surgery last week. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, How'd that go? Yeah, it went well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just like any little little surgery. It was a legit thing. I had to get yeah, in there. So I don't specifically know exactly what they did yet because the surgeon didn't know what he was going to do before the surgery. And he wasn't around after the surgery, and the nurse didn't know anything. So I have three holes in my shoulder. <laughs> just a without... mystery surgeon came in, did something, and then disappeared. And they're like, "We don't know where he went." Like, Kinda like Paul Rudd. <laughs> I mean, no, he, he's uh, the surgeon is the same doctor who I'd been seeing for my shoulder to begin with in the clavicle, and I like him a lot. Uh, but at the same time, it's like I, I have three holes in my shoulder, and I don't know why. He said there might be one or two, and I woke up at three. <laughs> I woke up. Uh, lecturing the nurse on archimedes and buoyancy <laughs> and apparently she's I, I i vaguely remember her going oh that's nice yeah yeah <laughs> and that was that was like my first moment of consciousness i didn't like wake up i just remember being like wait why are you saying yeah some of that like yeah she's like oh yeah you're talking about nurses archimedes. must deal with what? some of the like most dumb stuff <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I told jenna that and she's like yeah that that makes sense that 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 happens a lot Tell patients us about our- say a bunch of stupid things apparently can you take us back to that moment and actually lecture me for a minute on archimedes and buoyancy no <laughs> do you, well, no, what tell you, you what you know what i know i made a whole video about it a few months ago <laughs> i mean yeah it's like you know archimedes he was uh, an old greek philosopher and was tasked by the king to figure out whether or not the king's crown was pure gold or not and the uh, how does it how does this go he like he basically knows the weight of pure gold like the density of gold and so he could he also can figure out the volume of the crown by submerging it in water because by submerging something in water the water level will rise by the, by the exact volume of that object mm. and so then you have the volume of something and the supposed density or rather no you have the volume of something and the density of something so therefore you can figure out how much it should weigh and if it's pure gold it should weigh a, a certain amount 
if it's been cut with anything, like maybe a little bit of lead or something, or a little bit of, I don't know, iron, I don't know what they would have mm, cut it with, tin, copper, copper <laughs> maybe, yeah, uh, it would weigh a little less. Mm. And the crown weighed a little less. Ooh. Oh. As legend has it, supposedly. Apparently that story is not actually uh, feasible at all. <laughs> Imagine how mad you'd be if you were the king and you're, you've been wearing a crown that is not pure gold like yeah. they had like so little like to wear like that's what they cared about back then and he was probably pissed he's so heavy yeah. pure gold crown <laughs> yeah. right? that's the thing we got wrong with our battlefield series we kind of knew it because it's impossible to like to portray it right but gold bars are incredibly heavy a single gold yeah. bar is like 30 pounds so just like what, what would it be like five gold bars and you're uh, approaching my weight <laughs> five that's enough to like yeah. hold in my hands like this and it's so like 150 are not pounds accurate when they're like stealing gold bars and yeah stuff and like throwing them around yes yeah, so we had, like we had people carrying not. duffel they, bags they and... did it they did it well in <clears throat> die hard three remember when they stole all the gold out of the fort knox it was uh samuel jackson mm. and he remembers i remember him saying man this is heavy <laughs> <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because it's gold. Needed. It's a bar of gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really want to buy one of those uh, tungsten cubes that you can get. They're really expensive. I know uh, Jesse Driftwood got one for like 400 bucks, and it's like a one and a half inch cube. So it's not very big, but because it's pure tungsten, which is an incredibly heavy element, it feels way heavier than it should be, than it appears to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really want something like that, but I don't think it's worth four hundred dollars. <laughs> no, what's that uh, aerosol gel that's like uh, the really light oh God, stuff too? It's a uh, aer- aerogel. Aerogel, yeah, yeah. Oh. It is the lightest element. It is also the most thermally insulating element because it's basically just element? air. Sorry, material. You're right. It is it is literally like ninety nine point nine nine percent air. It's just like a lattice work of silica that's super incredibly thin. Yeah, so it's like foam. Like, but hard. Like mega foam, like yeah. plastic foam. Yeah, imagine, like, you're to take, like, foam, like, say, off the top of beer or whatever and harden it, and then also make it all the uh, the film way thinner. Wow. And even more bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, playing with some aerogel and playing with some, like, Vanta Black paint would be really fun. I've been, I've been wanting to do a Vanta Black uh, video for a while now where we just get it. I mean, I guess we couldn't technically get Vanta Black specifically, but there's a bunch of different types of Isn't paint. Isn't it like Vanta Black either like illegal or well, like the hard to owner come by? of it, or the inventor, the copyright holder, the patent holder? I'm I'm not exactly sure, but basically he has made it so that no one else can purchase it. Mm. But there's a lot of copycat pigments out there that are basically just as dark. They absorb all the light. So I really want to see something like that in person, where you just paint something and it just it looks like a black hole, hmm. except for the fact that it's an actual. Like object. <laughs> I wonder what kind of heat it picks up. Like just probably hot. a lot. Probably a lot. Yeah, because it's yeah. absorbing 100 percent of the light. Well, not 100, but you know, 99 percent of the light radiation. Yeah. What does it I've look been, like if you were to like paint the wall with it? It would just look like nothing. You would see no contours. You would see like mm. imagine like taking like a statue of like a cat or something. Like you 3D print a cat and then you paint it in Vanta Black. 
it would just look like a silhouette at all times. Even if you shine a flashlight at it, it would just like the flashlight would just not appear. That's cool. It's pretty nuts. And I've been wanting to get some of that so we can do like a bit of like an investigative video about it. Like actually like taking pictures, cranking up the ISO and exposure and like bringing it into Photoshop or After Effects to like really sample the light values and really just kind of figure out what exactly this paint does to like film sensors and whatnot like how does it actually optically interact with everything how expensive is it i don't know it sounds expensive i mean it's <laughs> it's pricier than regular paint but i don't think it's like four hundred dollars a can imagine if your car expensive you had your car painted in it. <laughs> no, here's a car painted in it Whoa, okay yes i've seen that yes <laughs> yeah you're saying that i was like i, I wonder like... if they color corrected this at all it's not yeah, bad it's... It just it, it makes it makes the camera look like they just are really bad at using a camera. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, like you give just, me a different angle. You're like, this values. is a different angle. Yeah, it makes the car look fuzzy. It and does. Like, yeah, or like when people get the really bad like matte wraps or something. Mm. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. This actually looks pretty cool. There's another like I remember looking up a video for another like Vanta Black ripoff. That's pretty disappointed with the results. Maybe like the guy didn't like make a point of shooting it to make it look really black, but mm. like. You okay. can see the contours really like it was just it was like oh you painted it with like a really nice black paint and like that's all right. I had. This, however, like the car is basically 100 percent black. You said it looks fuzzy, and I find that really interesting because I mean something like velvet has a very yeah. very low index of uh, refraction reflection index. It, it doesn't reflect well. <laughs> it don't. And reflect. so it, you know, it gives you that matte sort of look, and it's it might. It, it's gonna see, appear fuzzy because that it's doesn't not look reflecting that great. anything. You don't see any reflections. Like it just this does look like like you can see the contours. Yeah. It's dark. Don't get me wrong. It's a very dark car. Insane. But yeah, you're right. I can see shape to yeah. the door. It looks like it's all fuzzy. <laughs> it's a bunch of black felt. Yeah, that was an interesting thing about velvet. That's why they use velvet for like the black velvet for like uh like magic backdrops, so like when they're doing like mm. invisible man productions. Mm. Okay, sure. It's the same yeah. thing, it absorbs all that light. Have uh, you, has anyone went to the Mad Cat Motel yet? Mad Cat no. Motel? In I don't know what LA. that is. It's, so everyone knew about it from TikTok. It was Classic. an ad, or it was someone who had already went, and it's just this girl going through all of these different rooms and experiences. It reminded me a lot of when Nika was talking about um, Omega Mart. So you go through, and you go through with a crowd, Omega? and they're taking you through a journey through this motel, and it's like all theatrical, and one room is like pitch black and there's like lights going down or there's mirrors everywhere mm. and you're just like exploring with different lights and you can play games but looking through tunnels there's a room that's all sideways so everything in the room is just sideways <laughs> but it's all okay. and then everyone in line is like how did you hear about it and we're like tiktok and you, <laughs> but you guys have never heard of it it's, re it's literally right downtown it's called no. madcap motel I'm not no. heard of it. yeah it sounds really they, uh, so they have hotels and gaming controllers <laughs> oh, that was a stretch. Now right Christian's there. laughing. <laughs> that went right over my head. Mad Cats is a company that makes like off brand kind oh. of middle to low tier quality gaming controllers for gotcha. gaming consoles. <laughs> Mad yeah. Uh yeah. So my surgery went well. I they tore the sorry, I tore the labrum and broke the socket bone a little bit. I know I've talked about this before. I apologize. Uh, the surgeon told me there's nothing they can do about the bone. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. That was not what you told me last time we talked, but okay. Uh, there's supposedly a bone chip in there. You're going to take that out, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'll find out on Friday. 
if we call you Chip for the rest of the time that you're here or not. <laughs> Just anyone <laughs> <up> Chip. <laughs> so then I, the the two days after that were probably the most rough, not because of the pain, but because of the lack of pain. Specifically the lack of any feeling because I had a nerve block done. And the nerve mm. block was pretty intense because it paralyzed the entirety of my arm from like pretty much my collarbone all the way down to my fingertips. And I couldn't feel or move them at all. Yeah. Like it, it's so bizarre to look at your hand and try to like, all right, move your finger. And you're like, you're activating the muscle in your mind and then just nothing happens. It's, it's like, really it's called unsettling. called a ghost something because like amputees deal with it when they lose their phantom leg. Phantom limbs. Phantom, yeah, I, yeah. Think that's, I think that's a little different because the phantom limbs, that's where they actually feel pain where they shouldn't. Ooh. My favorite yeah. bad well, guy from the Venture Brothers. Pain, isn't it? <laughs> hmm? My favorite bad guy from the Venture Brothers. Phantom Limb. Phantom Limb. <laughs> He's just a guy that doesn't have any arms or legs. They're invisible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and so, and that, like, wasn't that big of a deal. Like, it's, like, touching my skin, my skin felt really rough because it was just, like, someone else's skin. That wasn't that big of a deal, except the overall feeling was that, like, it felt like I was, my arm was pinched in... in going to sleep you know how like yeah. when you sleep on your arm wrong or you're you've been like leaning on your arm a little while and you start feeling it go to sleep it felt like that that moment right there when it's starting to go to sleep and it's uncomfortable like that makes sense yeah it's the same thing kind of isn't it your nerve not responding so I mean, I, yeah like... no it is but you know you would think that because you can't feel anything it's fine but it felt distinctly like, oh, I'm pinching my arm. I oh. really need to move it so that I can get blood flow back. It's yeah. a very overwhelming sensation for my brain yeah. to be like, oh, move your arm so that like you can get that feeling back. And you can't. And you can't. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And crazy. so then after a couple of days, that nerve block started going away and uh, my feelings started coming back. And it wasn't that big of a deal as far as like the pain in my shoulder. I had some pain meds that were helping with that, but. Overall, I think my shoulder surgery and the recovery from it has been far smoother and easier than the collarbone. I, I feel like I was planning for this and I was like, you know what? No, it's like, okay, this is how it is. I'm learning snowboarding and I got a snowboard. I'm all excited about it. I get up to the ski hill. I'm going up the bunny slope and I'm like, hmm. All right, before I do the bunny slope, I'm going to go down this double black diamond Is this a real, real quick. story or an analogy? Oh, this that's is an analogy. analogy. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Like you shouldn't be doing any you know, of that right now. I just have a really awful time going down the Black Diamond, rest a little bit. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go down the bunny slope. And I do, and I'm like, okay, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> but it was slope. only not that bad because I did the double Black Diamond. <laughs> the double Black Diamond's your collarbone snapping. Huh? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, what is a nerve block? Is it like uh, like anesthesia onto the nerve? I'm not exactly sure. So I want, There's I did have. a gate that like closes and <laughs> opens up. <laughs> goes there <laughs> feeling <laughs> I, I i'm not exactly sure i i mean when it comes to nerve stuff i have no idea i don't know if they did some sort of like acupuncture type deal where they actually like injected something into the nerve ending in my arm like there's probably some main nerve that goes from like through my shoulder and hits everything in my arm they probably just tapped it up there but I don't know if that was something they put in my IV or something they applied directly to the shoulder. Did they have to specifically hit the nerve with it? Uh, it wasn't my general anesthesia. That was a separate thing. So, it's a, so they do this on purpose? Yes. Okay. Yes. I didn't know it if was it specifically so happens. that I wouldn't feel the pain as intensely because, yeah. I can imagine, though, could that be dangerous? Like if you tap it too hard and you're just like, oh, sorry. Like, yeah. Never again will you feel. I mean, that's a danger with, uh, uh, what's, the, what's it called when... When someone's going into labor 
and they give them anesthesia on the bottom half of their body, basically, so they don't have to feel as that much that epidural, epidural, epidural. Yeah. yeah. If that's done wrong, it'll paralyze you. Yeah. Because they're putting it right into your spinal column. Other people are like, I'm doing a natural birth, and it's like until they're doing the natural birth, and they're like, Nope. Like, come, come. <laughs> I'll take a little I epidural. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, they have to turn you over and they put it right into your. Yeah, but your it has spine. it has that risk, and they make you sign you know papers for it, being like, "Look, if you mess it up, you might not walk again." Man, modern medicine and medical knowledge is just truly something a, a wonder to behold. It is like it's incredible. <laughs> what they did to my shoulder had it been like 15 years ago, they would have just like made this huge scar up mm-hmm. through my, my whole arm here to pull back all the skin and then just directly operate on the flesh, the labrum and all that stuff inside. But no, they made three different incisions that are like barely half an inch long. Yeah. And then they send in little robot arms, oh, yeah, like that. little, like articulating, like <laughs> little, <laughs> Like the hands of the sentinels in the Matrix? Yeah, pretty much, actually, yeah. (laughs) And so one hole was for the camera, the laparoscopic camera that goes in underneath the skin to the the zone, and the the closer one is for the actual little arm that has more arms on it, little, like, grippers, little knives, uh, (laughs) just to, you know, and one with, like, I I think they sutured up the labrum, so there had to be, like, a little sewing needle. Well, I don't know. It's just a machine just going, like, Snow White or something. (laughs) I mean, yeah, maybe. It's, I think uh, I got the same thing done for my appendix. Oh, when I okay, had, sure. I had appendicitis, and then I woke up, and I had three tiny little yeah. incisions, and then they gave me the stitches that dissolve, right? Are they going to dissolve inside? No, I have to get them taken out. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. So they got to stick another little stick into you. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, Jenna might actually take these out herself. Oh, you mean, oh, wait, you don't have any sutures inside your body. You must. I think I do. I think they're that Teflon nylon combo, and I think it's just there forever. Mm. Oh, cool. Maybe it'll dissolve into I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, yeah the exterior stitches will. I mean, okay. Because as have long to as it's anything. been there long enough, like you can literally just cut the sutures yourself. Like you literally don't have to go to the doctor to cut cut out. Stitches. When you cut it, do you have to pull the strings out? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. I don't do well with that type of stuff in movies. Can you put like a get a microphone like a really sensitive microphone and put it next to it when you pull the string oh my through? God, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> a few months ago, Jenna cut her finger really badly cutting onions, oh. and so we went to the hospital. She got stitches. I think she had like five stitches in her finger, and you know, I think you have to keep the stitches in for like two weeks or something like that. And then like we were just watching a movie one night, and she's like, "All right, I'm gonna take my stitches out." I'm like trying to enjoy this movie, and she's like, "Snip, shuk, snip." Uh. It's like no big deal. <laughs> it's so awful. <laughs> I mean, she takes out stitches all the time, so she's like a pro at it. But it's like I, the worst part of movies. You know, every drink time wine and watch a movie. Someone saves someone, and they're like just happen to be a medic, and they have this like makeshift needle and thread, and they're like, "I'll I'll stitch you up," and then they're like throw alcohol on it and just. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> Like I don't. I just think I would keep the wound open. I don't know. If I can just watch a needle just put together. So let's my... do tape, and uh, I'll get to the doctors. Yeah. This evening. Yeah. One of the things you got to be careful of is to not pierce too far below the skin and not hook any of the muscle. Oh my goodness! I don't... You just sew your skin to your muscle, and it's like that's not a good time. Because then the moment uh... you flex it, it rips through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Sick. Literally. All right. <laughs> cool. <Jeez. laughs>
That's an, uh, see, what time is it? Can you have more time to talk? <laughs> so how do we uh, recover from That's this? That's a nice shirt you're wearing there, Nico. Thanks. That's a nice right. shirt I'm wearing here. Yeah, just Me. a couple of blue button-up boys over here. With blue jeans and vessies. Yes. And we they, are wearing well, like, literally the, the same exact thing same right clothes. Here, yeah. hold your... <laughs> and then I'm like... This podcast not sponsored by Vessie. <laughs> but the shoes are comfy, I must say. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so we did a Bob Ross video today. Yep. And I guess after this podcast, the Instagram posts will go up. Cause did you put yours in the render folder? I have not yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it's like ready to go. I, I like I already have it on my phone and everything, but it's uh, not in the folder. Where yet. it needs to be. <laughs> so that'll be the first thing I do after this. But yeah, I guess you guys will post that tonight or tomorrow. Tonight? tonight. It'll all be anonymous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone votes on who I guess had the best render. Wait, so what is the Bob Ross challenge, Ren? Right, Ask yeah, Nico I should probably wasn't there. I should probably <laughs> add some context to that as opposed to explaining the ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bob Ross is a famous painter. Most of you guys we know, know who Bob Ross is. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in. Did you know he is more famous than Andy Warhol? You know, I yeah. Probably because millennials. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. he became an internet sensation. Yeah, yeah. So we Andy decided Warhol's to overrated. try to do a render Boom, challenge. Hot take. Sorry, Done. <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said. I just Andy Warhol's overrated. Is what I said. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> don't don't get Jan talking about Andy Warhol. He will he will talk your ear off <laughs> about how overrated he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Bob Ross, we decided to basically try to follow one of his painting tutorials, but do it in CG. And did a whole render challenge about it. So we all tried to recreate one of his paintings in 3D. There's a, a special note, an asterisk next, next to this that Ren I, I think there's out. a few asterisks. Which one are you talking about? The biggest one, which is we did it in real time watching the episode. Oh, yeah. Wait, did anyone <laughs> ring the bell? Oh. We all rang the bell. Okay. I was kind of, part of me was hoping like someone like Sam would uh, maybe like refused to ring the bell like maybe he was doing all right and we're like sam come on ring the bell we need you to do it and he's like no oh he never rang but he rang oh, the he bell too. Yeah, we all did we sam all needed as much time one. as possible so are we posting the original yeah as well okay. the renders were po- so the renders well the bell just explain to you guys so the episodes are 27 minutes long bob ross makes this entire picture in real time it's in 27 minutes so we did like we looked at the final result for five seconds yesterday just five seconds when he couldn't look at it again we were able to gather assets so that we're not like modeling trees and mountains. Like you're able to like, grab your tree models, grab whatever, you know, like you're just grabbing models. Though. You're not building the shot. You're just grabbing what you need. Um, so you're able to gather assets. And then in real time in these, in this 27 minute episode, we have to build our render at the exact same time that he's making the painting. And we all have a bell that we can ring once and it buys us five minutes. Yeah. It's, it we pause the episode on pause. for five minutes. So like, when did, why did you ring your your bell? What happened when you had to ring yours? I don't know. I think I was just starting to feel a little bit of panic, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "So you was panicking." What part of the painting were you on? Oh, I, I don't. I think I was still trying to make like the ground, and he was already moving on to like the foreground trees. I was like, oh, oh, "I'm so God. behind." <laughs> oh, he loves those foreground trees. Little... Oh, his foreground trees. He's the best. The rocks that he does want. It's like he was making a forest faster than I could like import a tree model. Yeah. I couldn't copy paste faster than he could make trees. <laughs> like, I already had a nice tree in there. I'm like, he's like, I have another one and another one, and another one. I'm like, whoa, I've just, I can't even like click and drag this fast. We also had no undo. Yes. No control Z. No control Z. Daniel made Is that a script. What Daniel, yeah. I saw Daniel doing that before. I was like, what are you doing? And then he just starts sprinting away. I was like, why do I even ask? <laughs> <laughs> Which I should probably get off the computer at some point. 
<laughs> Probably. It's still on I think that it's. Laptop. I mean, I was able to use Control Z and After Effects after we we're done. So I don't know if it was like a computer wide macro that he made or specifically for. Oh, it was just on, on the, the laptops. laptops. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So that was the other thing we did. We are using very powerful desktop workstations. Yeah. But we were all sitting around on laptops. Which is actually really cool. Is the coolest thing. <laughs> it worked really well, honestly. Nice. I got like one, like, hey, your net's maybe a little slow, but I didn't notice a single Dude, issue. Dude, I got none of that. Yeah. Yeah, it works really well. I know Sam said he was having some issues before Sam's GPU started. crashed on his workstation, so he had to he had to ring the bell, run upstairs, restart his computer, run back downstairs, <laughs> and keep going. And that was his bell time. <laughs> yeah, that was his bell time. <laughs> But yeah, the uh, the renders will be on the Corridor Digital Instagram by the time you're hearing this. They've already gone up. Um, so just a, a good reason if you're not following us on Instagram to follow us on Instagram because then mm-hmm. you'll get to see those things when they actually go live. And uh, I guess we'll do a poll or something like that. Yeah, some I don't know how yeah. what the best way to do that is. Maybe any, any predictions for what the winner is going to be? I think it might be you. I don't know. We we can't describe our stuff at all. But no, but people are going to see it. But, this, this is going com- up this like days after, after the. Po- it, this Instagram. is probably wait. What days? This is going oh. up on Friday. Still though, it's like. Oh yeah, people won't have seen the. Well, oh, the, the video, video won't be done. The video yet. won't be out. True, but they'll have seen the renders and they'll know the winner. Yeah, but they won't well, know they who that is. The they just know that the render. The wait. When see, are we announcing the winner? No, I think I think we can. Let's. You can tell me your opinions on the pictures because people can already see the pictures. They don't know who the, we don't like. We don't know who the winner is yet, and they won't either. I mean, so. they're all they're all they're all renders. All right, Jordan. <laughs> Ren doesn't want to commit. I don't. I don't want to. I, I like the idea of anonymity here, so that there's no bias going in, and it's just pure artistic judgment on what was made. Yeah, but I didn't even. But see the podcast them. is happening after the Instagram is posted, and people have seen it. And but voted. before the final video goes out, right? But. You lied. I mean, <laughs> but we can I still mean, talk about it. I don't know. I'm just okay. Whatever. Whatever. I thought they were all pretty cool. Uh, I mean, yeah. They're, they're how, was Ma- how was Matthew? How did Matthew do? Matt did well. I think he was a little... Uh, I don't think he's used to doing stuff like this. His was great. Yeah, his <laughs> was pretty good. Had. Uh, he had a couple like weird texture issues from... like mm-hmm. He That's had a true. lot of technical problems. So, also, Matt is not the Matt that you guys know. There's a new Matt in town. Yes. <laughs> I th- at first you thought you were talking about me. I was like... What? <laughs> <I'm> so confused. <laughs> um, yes, we have a new Matt in town. So, as you guys know, we did the CGI generalist uh, applications a while back. A bunch of people applied. A bunch of amazing artists. Hundreds, like literally, like four hundred people. Yeah. Over four hundred people applied. So Matt is one of the. Uh, I guess you could say one of the finalists. It makes it sound like a contest. It's not a contest. Um, it's just a job application. Well, yeah, it kind of got narrowed down to like a top six or whatever. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's. You know, in this process, you end up meeting a lot of really interesting artists. So Matt is one of them, and uh, he's from Philadelphia. So we invited him out to LA for a week to spend some time at the studio, get to know him. Is uh, it just this week? It's not like two weeks. Just this week. Okay. He goes back Saturday or Sunday. Oh wow! All right. Yeah, Yeah. and then yeah, someone else is coming in next week. Oh, do I need a? I probably need to book his hotel. Okay. (laughs) That's great. No, the guy lives in LA. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, let's not tell him that he could have had a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There's a few people. I mean, it's 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 always awkward for me to kind of like consider this stuff because it's like because of our reach. There's a lot of very very talented people who would like yeah. to work with us, and we the problem is that we can't work with everyone, mm-hmm. and 
there's a lot of things that we have to kind of keep in mind when it comes to trying to think of a new hire. It's, it's not just what work can they do. It's like how well can they work with a team, especially in this type of environment where you're very likely going to be on, not just on camera, but you need to be like good on camera. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things. And so I guess yeah. this, this isn't exactly like a final interview with, I guess it kind of is. It's more just like, I mean, well, th- you guys want to just come hang out with us for a week, see what yeah. happens? Yeah, well, part of our hiring philosophy, too, when it comes to hiring people here is that, like, we're not like McDonald's where it's like, look, I need somebody to do this job specifically. Like, I need a human processor, a robot. I give you input, you give me output. Like, there's yeah, times when not that, that. Or there's times when that happens, but that's not how we work here. It's It's more, we need people who have artistic abilities mm-hmm. or talent or a craft or a skill and then what they're able to do will shape what we make with them because mm-hmm. we're not we're not making a set product it's not like you know i have i have an order for a thousand of these widgets and you need to make a thousand of them exactly the same it's you know the people around us influence what we do it's what kind of video we're going to make this week what what kind of project can we do together if we if we if we make a a corridor short film like what kind of cool effects do you know mm-hmm. how to do and then this comes together, together uh, this comes together to influence and create the final product so you know, in terms of hiring people, it's more about bringing people in, experiencing kind of who they are and what they bring to the table, and then looking at what would that look like if you added that ingredient to the corridor stew? How would the broth come out? Yeah. It's like, can you be flexible with your creativity? Like, can you, you know, mm-hmm. you, you come in as one person and then you start kind of getting tested with all these different, like that, like he wasn't expecting to do a Bob <laughs> Ross painting like under time. And yeah. but then you yeah. start figuring out other skills you have and what you can add to the table you yeah learn something new about yourself all the time here i feel like and at other places that you get hired at maybe more corporate places you're not supposed to like they hired you for one thing and like you stay in your cubicle and you you, you, <laughs> you do, that do that over that and thing. over and over and over again that sounds like the worst it does no well and that's do. why people you know they watch these videos and they do want to work here so bad because i think they do get a sense of that because we're always evolving mm. and trying new things actually i take it back some days some days i wouldn't mind just having a list of things to do and I just do that one thing. That's what Jake does. <laughs> well, Jake makes his list. <laughs> but some days I wouldn't mind just being like, all right, just gonna just gonna follow the, the guidelines and make my way through it. I mean, that was like literally I was talking about this a couple podcasts ago. It was like I I specifically wanted to not have to make any decisions and just wanted to work on VFX and be told what effects to do. And then, like I spent a week doing that, I was like, mm, all right, got it on my system. <laughs> <That's> sweet. <laughs> yeah, but here it's like after you do a week and you're like, cool. Now I'm going to go write a movie. <laughs> yes. Jump off a building. I mean, that's really a blessing of, of Corridor is like really getting to shift gears. And sometimes they are shifted unwillingly, but in a way that has its own magic, you know. But yeah, it's, you're always going to shift gears. And it's not sometimes it's a little fast sometimes it's a little slow. But yeah, like usually we, we try to make it so it's like you get a chance to truly experience something and then you get to move on to a different experience. Yeah, I wish I could experience more jetpacks. <laughs> Well, at least you got to experience it once. <laughs> I know, I know. Was that but, last podcast when you're like, I want to ride a jetpack? It's like, you did ride a jetpack. <laughs> uh, that sounds really yeah. fun. It'd be really cool to have a job where I got to fly a jetpack. It's like, yeah. That, that, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it, though? <laughs> uh, but we didn't have a video come out on Sunday. No, because it was 4th of July. That's the official reason, isn't it? Well, I mean, it is. 
<laughs> As opposed to the unofficial reason. I mean, the unofficial you... reason was we didn't have a video ready. <laughs> well, truth be told, truth be told, it's been a long-standing policy that we tend to not drop videos on large holidays like that. That is true. Because who? some people might be watching YouTube videos, but most people aren't. Most people are out doing something. But we were trying, because we're working on this James Bond video, and there's a lot of effects, and it's a kind of a complicated edit. It's been taking a decent amount of time to put together. And the original plan was that that was going to go out this last Sunday before we really started, you know, realizing that, oh, <laughs> Sunday's the 4th of July. We probably shouldn't upload on that day because everyone's going to be outside eating hot dogs. And we delayed it. But the plan is like to delay it like one or two days. But then like we actually were short. So I basically didn't work at all last week, essentially. <laughs> Well, you were uh, home with your surgery. Yeah, I had a surgery that knocked me off. I was kind of supposed to work on that Wednesday, Thursday, but I was still just like really out of it. I opened the program. I was like, I figured you'd probably be taking the whole week off. And then I, I flew out of town Friday. <laughs> Most people would. Yeah. <laughs> you know, looking back, I cannot believe I came back to work the day after I broke my collarbone. Yeah, I'm surprised. I literally don't know how or why you really I did set that. the bar high for everyone yeah. <laughs> i really hope i don't break a bone here it was slightly panic driven because i i well, was you had your attack on titan video which was a really good video i think yeah. you probably kind of had that feeling like this video is gonna be a solid video i had that feeling and it that feeling just got strengthened after i broke my collarbone and we ended up adding more stuff. You took the strength to from your collarbone and added it to the film? <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I mean, yeah, that was, I don't know. Yeah, it was it, it was mostly panic driven. It was like, I got to finish this video and I, I don't want to be in a position where someone else finishes it for me. So I got to do it. Yeah. But this time I was like, James Bond VFX. I don't have to do that this week. <laughs> Now look at us. <laughs> I, I did kind of try on on that on on that Wednesday. I did open up the program and I I started doing stuff and I was immediately like, I'm gonna go lay down. <laughs> I mean, there's no way I was gonna get that deep fake done last week either. Oh, that deep fake, huh? Yeah. Well, it's going now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a Sean Connery deep fake. Okay, you said it. <laughs> there is a cool running gag cool. with Sean Connery in the video. Yeah. Which I don't want to spoil, but it's 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 pretty funny. Yeah. Hey, another news, Sam and I finished the Local Zero scripts. Oh, that's right. You guys did that yeah. last week, right? Because mm -hmm. you yeah. had the first episode done a little while back. Yeah, a few weeks ago. But then episodes two and three yep. finished? Yeah. Are they good? Like, where They're, does the story go? I love them. How does it end? I think it's really fun. How does it end? <laughs> What's the plot? The plot? Okay. Well, hmm, what can I... How? See, here's the thing. We're entering marketing territory here where I feel like I need to keep it enticing. So That's fair. Here's Elevator the plot. <laughs> First off, the name might change. Sam and I talked about this a little bit. It's, we're not committed to it yet. The name might change to Level Zero from Local Zero. Because the plot is about this guy named Zero, who's a pro gamer. He's level 899. He wants to become 900. Actually, he wants to become 999, which is the highest you can get. But there's only... He plays this Battle Royale game. Like, there's different games in this world. Classic. He plays Battle Royale. There's only five people allowed into level 900 or above. So for Zero to get in... He has to beat somebody else who's 900 mm. or higher. So first off, he has to get into a game that they're in. This, this reminds me of them. your, uh, what was it? The the rhythm game he played back in the day. Right, Rock Band. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, same with the drums, yeah. Uh, so Battle Royale games in this world are like 10,000 player Battle Royale games. And it's kind of like a Ready Player One VR style thing. Like everybody's, everybody spends their lives online. It's no one. I mean, it, 
the last part doesn't sound as great, but the first part sounds pretty dang cool. <laughs> the uh, this is the kind of world. It's like the year twenty fifty or something like that. Uh, it's one hundred fifteen degrees outside all the time. Everybody stays in their rooms. Uh, the company, well, there's a global Omnicorp, you know, similar to Amazon. You know, you order stuff and they deliver the drones. They also run all the games or whatever. You earn credits in the games. You can use it to buy stuff from this Amazon-like corporation. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, Zero goes in to this battle royale game and one of the 900 players level 900 players is there and zero spends everything he has mm. to try to beat this guy and it's a big showdown i won't spoil what happens but along the way zero makes some decisions that zero later regrets and it causes his account to be wiped and he gets set to zero <gasps> and so he has to start all over from level zero and work his way back up to be <sighs> level 900 Going oh, through all the different games in this world from Mineshaft to Center Strike. <laughs> so to, uh, what is it? What's our Mario Kart one? Oh, I can't remember it. Maximo Kart. That's the one. Uh, so he's, he goes through all these different games. He's going to work his way. Daylo. <laughs> Daylo. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Um, yeah, and, it, you know, the cool thing is, so it's, it's going to be similar to the cutscene, which is that video that Sam made on the Corridor channel. But the thing is, it's, it's all in a game world. So having it look like it's in a game set in Unreal Engine, you know, it's going to be an interesting aesthetic, but it, it fits with what this world's supposed to be. Because a lot of these days when people make video game based pieces, they either film it live action and they oh, you throw some points and health bars on the screen. But it's live action, <laughs> yeah. you know, or it's fully rendered CG like Wreck-It Ralph. Right. But and, you know, going out there and doing a narrative that's set in the game, but actually filming it in a game engine and building a game specifically for filming this, you know, series within, it's going to be a really interesting way to approach this. Is, have you guys thought about casting for it? Yeah. Are, are you looking at like inside quarter for casting or like getting actors for it? A little it? bit of both. So the other thing that's really exciting about this is there are a couple of things that make filming movies really hard. One of those things is finding actors. Um, Another thing is costumes. Another thing is props and sets. Uh, writing is hard no matter what you're doing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you very know? much so. And like with an animation, animation itself is hard, but costumes are kind of free in a certain sense. You have to still design it, but you don't have to then make it. Uh, having extras on screen tends to be free. Having as many characters as you want tends to be not free, but a lot cheaper than real life. So like one of the first things you'll learn if you start trying to shoot scripts for like television or writing scripts for television is they'll be like, yo, you have way too many speaking roles. You need to cut it down from eight speaking roles to three. And like, wait, how am I going to tell a story with only three people talking? It's like, you'll have to figure it out because we're only going to go out and cast three actors that are good enough to talk Yeah. versus eight actors Mm -hmm. that are good enough to talk. And if you're doing a a union shoot, it's really expensive to hire actors that are talking on screen. There's a strict, the moment someone opens their mouth and says a word, they get $600 Mm -hmm. for that day minimum. I could be wrong if the rules the changed, time. but that's my last experience with it. It's hefty. When you, when <laughs> so. you do background work and then they allow you to speak, like, they're all in the back like, dang it. Like, <laughs> right, the... Come here, come sign your name. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite story of that is one that you told me about Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber, I think. Oh, yeah. When he comes out of the, the 7-Eleven and is like, so big gulps, huh? Yep. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> and he walks away. Yeah. So those are extras and they're not allowed to speak. And Jim Carrey knew that. And so he goes and he purposely tries to hit him with a line to get them to talk. Not to like necessarily try to get them paid, but just knowing they can't say anything and he wants to play that reaction. <laughs> so, huh, so big gulps, huh? 
Well, see you later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you'll notice like in a lot of cartoons, there's tons of characters like mm-hmm. The Simpsons. There's a million characters and right. they're all distinct characters. You only need 10 voice actors. Who can, right. They can do a bunch of different voices, you know, but you can just draw a new character. You don't have to cast an entire new human being who has to make their way physically to your set mm-hmm. to be in that shot for that day just to say that one line. You know, you don't have to worry about that when you're doing animation. So I'm really excited for with Local Zero to be able to not necessarily be constrained in that actor sense. You know, casting somebody to play Zero, who's like a legit actor, probably more voice actor than like actual actors will be leaning towards. Um, and I think that's important so they can really invest themselves in that character and figure out the nuances of that character. But now we can write a script. Where we have 10 other speaking roles and Sam can do half the voices or all the voices. You know, it's not to say that Sam's going to play everybody else in this piece, but it's a thing where it just makes it a lot more accessible and approachable to telling a story without getting caught up in the both the politics and the budget costs of every time you have a new character in your story. It means finding an entirely new human being in real life who you then have to clothe and feed and transport and place in a space and film. Yeah. So well, I mean, in that that cutscenes video, Sam was the voice actor of many characters. He yeah. was, yeah, and they're all very distinct. Like, because the other thing is, it's like, okay, I want a man who is eight feet tall and pure muscle to play the mountain in my Game of Thrones fan film. It's like, great. Uh, there's like five people out there who can fit that bill, and one of them can kind of act. <laughs> oh, and his, and, and the other and one was the, the main mountain. actor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and either way, none of them live in your state, so good luck. You know, it's like. That's the other thing is like getting these unique, funny, kind of cool looking characters or just even having people that look the part of their their role. It's It's very restricting. Yeah, it's hard to find that and somebody who can act at the same time who's not already working in the biz and going to cost a lot of money. So, well, that's exciting. Uh, We're shooting Son of a Dungeon stuff next week. That's right. We're doing all our green screen stuff. Partly kind of just. Well, I guess it's a very different workflow from Local Zero, but. We're doing it all in real time. Sam's got this really, really cool system <laughs> set up right now, and I'm really excited to see how it goes next week. Me too. It's going to be very exciting. It's it's basically, you know, it's the Mandalorian thing without the LED screens. It's like... Yeah. That. Imagine instead of an LED screen, it's a green screen. <laughs> yep. But you still get to see it in camera, so you can match, you can match your lights manually. Because the whole point of the... Well, there's a lot of points. You know, I, I, I started writing one last year, a whole like video essay kind of comparing old style visual effects to new style visual effects with like the whole idea of intent and, you know, shooting on a green screen stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the cinematographer doesn't really have any context for what the scene's going to look like. Yep. And that's what makes the Mandalorian so great or that technology is because the cinematographer, the camera operator, the director, everyone has that context to be able to like know what the shot's going to look like yeah. because it's all been pre-made. Now, obviously, we lack the LED screens here to get the really cool in-camera look and the lighting interaction and all that stuff. But what we do get that is, in my opinion, almost more critical is that in-the-moment context of knowing what the shot's going to look like yep. with the stuff in the background. You can change it later, sure. But being like, oh, if I move the camera just a little bit to the left this way, it actually lines up with the environment in a really cool way. And, that, you know, it, it's tickling that taste bud in my mind just the right way as I'm holding the camera, which if you don't have anything to show you, you don't get. And that's why I think a lot of people over the last decade or two have started really <clears throat> kind of hating the green screen staged aesthetic. It's not that green screen itself is the problem. 
It's the fact that it's not being used correctly. Yeah. And I think this way we're going to shoot Son of a Dungeon does use it correctly. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hopefully, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's still working on it. There might be a lot of technical issues, uh, including the fact that I'm a barbarian supposed to be swinging around a big old axe, and I can't use one arm. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing about the green screen, you know, being used incorrectly in terms of, like, making filmmaking and, like, cinematography... We tried to talk about that in VFX Artists React. We kind of touched upon it when looking at the end of the original Justice League fight. And we tried to talk about it with Mulan a little bit. And it's so hard to put into words, but it's something you can definitely Mulan? feel. Yeah, now Mulan didn't necessarily have the green screen. Like, you know, no, we're no, just no. A green it never box. made it into the episode. Yeah, we cut the whole segment because we just, we had, a, we had a hard time defining it. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where you watch it and just like, why is it all just like medium close shots? Mm-hmm. And like nobody ever interacts with their environment. They all stand there. And it's all just shots of people emoting against the blurry background. And it's like, that's just what green screen shoots devolve into because there is no background to interact with. There's no chair to kick over. There's no table to slap with your hand as you walk by, as you emote. There's no corner to walk around as you, you know, talk and walk at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, now I'm actually getting inspired to like finish that script because I struggled with writing it last year and we ended up just moving on. I, I didn't get to finish it, <laughs> but I, I, I think the reason why I struggled is I, I wasn't really able to find the point of it. I couldn't quite figure out the right way. And I feel like I've thought about it many times since then. And I think I might be ready to try to rewrite that. Yeah. Might be something we did with the, like my Ted talk video where, um, you know, I wrote, I spent a lot of time writing this thing and then I recorded it and then Dean actually did all the, the clips, <laughs> dropping in all the clips to edit it together. Yeah. I thought essay, that worked well. Essays are hard, man. They like, are. They're really hard. Like I, I don't like uh, film nerd. Film. I'm, am I blanking on his name right now? Film nerd. <laughs> no, the film film writer. Film writer, nerd writer. Nerd writer. Jesus. Film, film writer nerd. nerd. nerd, nerd. <laughs> I knew it was nerd something. Yeah. Uh, you know, he puts out a new video essay every single week, and a lot of people do. There's a lot of channels that put out video essays all the time, and I'm just not a good enough writer to, to be able to like maintain like good mm. writing output, and then also throw everything else you need for a good video essay into the mix yeah good stuff well that's a nice little preview of stuff coming up and things yeah. we're working on and also some deep philosophical personal insights and yeah guys i'm not a pro on this stuff i'm just just sharing what i think so i'm down to hear people's thoughts and discussions we're just dudes on but a couch let's be nice to each other yeah just dudes on a couch just dudes d- on a couch d- and, d- a and a dudette, and a dudette. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the preferred female version of dude is it still just dude or is it dudette I would never want anyone to call me dudette. <laughs> Personally. <laughs> I would call Jenna dude all the time. And at first she made fun of it, but then she just like accepted it. Cause I just, dude is my gender neutral yeah. pronoun for everyone and anyone. I, would, I don't know I like if it's supposed to be that way, too, but it's though. like, I will literally call anyone yeah. dude, whether it's a baby or a grandfather, yeah. grandmother, <laughs> walk up to your grandma and be like, what's up dude? <laughs> I would call like my mom on accident, like dude or bro. I'd be like, oh my god, like bro, and she'd be like, stop that. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say she was like, dude. No, she hated dude, it. Bro, dude. come on, dude. Yeah, I love yeah. those two words. <laughs> yeah, just it's weird how dude is a word that has managed to transcend like generations. It like, made it through like its its meme phase, you know. Well, like that was a word that my dad in high school was using with his friends. Isn't the hair on an elephant, like an elephant's butt, dude? What? Yeah, I don't know. Or is it, an, or is it a whale penis? <laughs> it's one of the two. What? <gasps> I've heard. I know something of a whale penis is something. Huh? It's. 
Huh. <laughs> anyway, what, what I'm saying is that like dude has literally been used for decades. Oh no, dude is short for doodle, uh, has such as Yankee Doodle Dandy. That's where it comes from. That's oh. how long it's been in use for. Yankee Doodle dude. Oh, a wow. dork. A dork is a whale penis. Oh right, <laughs> right. Okay, I think oh, I did know that one. Oh, yeah, dork. Okay. <laughs> wow. I'm really gonna start taking a. Yeah, that one's really been disassociated from the original <laughs> meaning. Well, I guess we should play you out, audience. We don't have any instruments, so we'll just say thank you for listening. Uh, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for watching, if you, if you feel thank like. Thank you so yeah, much. Leave a, thanks for subscribing to QuarterDigital.com. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If so, you, I, I, I if hope you are. you are. But it's cool. That's awesome. We do you. you know, we really appreciate it if you do. We make this for free for you to enjoy on YouTube because we know that that's how you like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, dork. All right, goodbye, right, everyone. Right, it's been a long day. So long, everybody. <laughs> Bye, dorks.